0: As we begin this morning, I wonder how many of you, and you don't, please don't raise your hand on this, but I just want, to, want you to think to yourself, how many of you have have something in your life that you would like to stop doing? I'm just going to let, I'm not, I'm not looking for hands, but I'm just saying. How many of you have, uh, just have something, you say, God, please take this away. You have a sweet tooth, or you have... Uh, you know, some other issues or some habits that you're trying to get rid of. Uh, You're going to stop trying to do it. You're just trying to get rid of something. You might have made a promise like, God, help me if, 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 you know, help me not to do this ever again and, and just help me to stop. I pray I'll never do it again. I promise, God. And then within 15 minutes, you're... Oops, I slipped. So mad at yourself. You you become depressed. You know, you you go and you start, you know, you sit back and you start scrolling through, you know, your your, um, social media. Um, You're mindless there. You start eating whatever. And then you clean out half your refrigerator. You want to change. You try to change. And you ask God to help you change, but you just didn't work. It just didn't work. So today's title is, in our Ever Wonder Why series here is, Why Can't I Stop? Why can't I stop? So would you just pray with me. Father, we ask today by the power of your Holy Spirit, and Lord, the the word that we read. Lord, I pray that you would just speak a word of life, a word of encouragement, even, even a, a word, Lord God, of power to help, Lord God, help us overcome anything in our lives that would be displeasing to you. Anything in our lives that would be harmful to us or, or others, Lord God. Lord, by your power, teach us through your word. Empower us through your spirit. And by your grace, Lord, we pray that we could live a life that is pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. What is going on whenever you try to stop something, you want to change a behavior, but you can't seem to do it? What's going on? Well, I would, I would suggest that um, in a lot of ways, there, there's a lot of people who have uh, the right intentions. The right intentions, but the wrong strategy. What you're trying to do is you're trying to to change but you're trying to change the wrong way and as we dive into this message I want to I start by uh, acknowledging unfortunately that this the effects of this message is it's not like well God could change you instantaneously but there's 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 no way a, a half hour or an hour time period that I could fully completely address the full theology of change When I ask you, why haven't I changed, when you ask, excuse me, why haven't I changed, I would have to say that there would be multiple factors against you. If you look at your notes there, that there's factors that keep us kind of stuck in a lifestyle that that we would like to live different. Okay, for example, I'll show you some of the, the factors there, get a root to it. Why is it that we can't change? Why do you eat the wrong food? Why do we do things that we know is bad for us, but we still do them? Well, the answer might be because you have access to the wrong food and not the right food. That's a practical reason. So there's practical reasons why you can't change. Why you oversleep? Well, it might be because you've been you've been watched uh, Netflix until 2 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, you didn't set your alarm, you know, there's practical reasons why some of us just don't change. But there's other reasons, just not practical. There might be emotional reasons. A lot of us, we have emotional wounds, we have baggage, and we have some unresolved issues that that lead us to uh, coping in an unhealthy way. Uh, So there might be practical reasons, there's emotional reasons, and then there may be relational reasons. In other words, we want to get healthy, we want to do the right things, but we surround ourselves with unhealthy people. Our relationships are unhealthy. People that we interact with have the wrong mindset. You know, people who one of the first things they tell people who want to stop doing drugs to do is stop hanging out with people who do drugs. You have to completely change your who your friends are and where you go. Otherwise, it's, it's impossible to just change when you're consistently surrounded by the wrong people. So it could be possibly... Practical or emotional or relational. And then there's the physical element. In other words, some of us are stronger in some areas than others and then vulnerable in other areas. We, may, we might have bad neural pathways. or We might have a chemical imbalance. When we talk about change, however, as you see here, there's a lot of complications to it. You know, practical, emotional, relational, physical reasons. But at the heart of the issue, I believe that why most of us can't change is because it's a spiritual challenge. At the heart of the reason why most people don't change, the root issue is is often a spiritual issue. And it's not really, are they Christian or not? What the issue is they're trying to meet a spiritual need with something other than God they know they have the, a spiritual need in their lives or, or, or desire, so they, they go after relationships with other people they have a hole in their heart and they need a relationship and that relationship needs to be God so they look after something that's going to fill that void so it's drugs or alcohol. And it leads them into a destructive lifestyle. And so the reason we're going to talk about, and that's the reason why we're going to talk about this morning, the spiritual element of change. Why can't we change? And I think for many people, the the reason that, It's hard to change is because you're focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of grace let me say that again for many of us it's focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of grace now some of you might say well poison of religion pastor Mike aren't you religious aren't you religious and I have to say, actually, I'm not religious. I am not a religious person. In the world today, when you think about somebody who is a religious person, they might think of a, they might think of a Christian uh, person or a churchgoer. Okay? But the root of the religion is, is the root of religion is something that I don't want to have anything to do with. In, in fact, If you're not a church person and you say, I don't like religion, I would say, guess what? Neither do I. I don't like religion either. And if you say, I hate religious acting, Jesus would actually say, I really don't like religious acting either. That's what Jesus called a hypocrite. So what is religion? And what is the poison of religion? One definition of what religion is, this, what religion is is this: religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following all the rules. Religion is our attempt to get God's approval by following all the rules. Y'all look at me like, okay. Well, isn't that what what happened in the Old Testament? We had all this whole list of rules of do's and don'ts. We call it the law. And, And what did the law do? The law grew. And man added to it. And then all of a sudden, it became burdensome. Now, we couldn't. Fulfill any law as a matter of fact. We couldn't do all of the law as human beings. That's one of the reasons why God gave us the law. To show us that you know, we can't do it on our own. Even by following a list of rules. We can never become holy enough. We can never become righteous enough. We can never be good enough to earn a relationship with God. That's what the law showed us. And yet, some of us are still trying to do the same thing. We're trying to earn God's grace by a list of rules that we don't do. It's attempting to please God without God. And the reason you can't change is because you're trying to do it by law, by religion. And not by grace. In fact, I'm going to show you a, a, one of the most powerful verses that you probably don't know. Now there's an there's a amazing amount of verses that we don't know, let's, let's face it. But there's also a bunch of verses that a lot of us have on our refrigerators. We carry them on coffee mugs. You know, we've got like these life verses that, that people pop up on their social media. But I want to show you a verse. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and this is what the verse says. Starts out with, for the grace of God has appeared. Now, I want you to help me out here, okay? What has happened? When you, could you say it, say, it, say it out loud? The grace of God has what? The grace of God has what? Appeared. Yes, the grace of God has appeared. And it continues to say, and that grace offers salvation to all people. Now, I'm going to pause right here, because this is part of the most amazing news that you will ever hear. The grace of God offers salvation to all people. If you are a follower of Jesus you likely know that you've not made right by God by, with God by your works right not by your religious efforts not by your best attempt not because you carry a big Bible not even because you've memorized a bunch of scripture you are made right with God by grace it's the grace of God through faith our sins are forgiven by grace. You're made right with God by grace. God loves us because of His grace. I, I talked about this on uh, Wednesday night, how, how you know, we, we have, kind of have this separation while we're living in great, the dispensation of grace. And all of a sudden, because of what Jesus did on the cross, now we live in, under grace No, the fact of the matter is it's always been God's grace that we still are alive. If it wasn't for God's grace, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they would have been wiped out. The human race, human beings have always lived under God's grace and it is because of God's grace that we are saved so what is it what is grace well the Greek word that is translated grace in, in the in the Word of God is the the, um, the word charis, or um, kind of put it in, in you could say, Keras. okay? Um, I can't do my accents today, but... But anyway, that word, it means unmerited goodwill and favor of God. It's unmerited, it's unearned, it's God's favor. It's God's strength, it's the good news, Here's the thing, it's always a gift. Grace is always a gift of God. You can never be good enough to earn it. You can't do enough good works to deserve it. It's always a grace. It's always a gift, excuse me. And you're saved by grace. So so there will be those of you that might... um, there's those of you who know that, right? I'm okay with that. I'm saved by grace. I know that. But when what Christians seem to think is, okay, I'm saved by grace and God forgives me. Now it's all on me. I'm saved by grace. God forgave me because of His grace. It's given to me. It's a free will. But now I have to try to live this life In perfect unity with God on my own. We try to do it by ourselves. I've got to get it done. I've got to try hard. I've got to check all the boxes and do the right things. I've got to follow all the rules. I'm trying to be good. Trying not to be bad. Trying not to get mad at people. Trying not to get, get stirred up so that I want to curse. trying to keep myself in check. It's the grace of God that changes us. And what we need to understand is that it's the the grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. It's not just the saving grace of God, but it's the sustaining grace of God. The same grace that forgives you is the grace that transforms you. And I want to show you the power of God's grace in this verse one more time. Why can't you change? Watch what it says here. For the grace of God has appeared and offered salvation to all people. Now what does it say? It teaches us. It says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. The grace of God is what sustains you. It's what teaches you how to live a godly life today. Now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor, you're getting way liberal here. Yeah, you can do whatever, this means you can do whatever. I can do whatever I want and I'll be okay. No, you gotta listen to the grace of God. Because it's God's grace that teaches you, that empowers you to say no to the ungodly things in the world today. Let that sink in. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to something that displeases God. It teaches us to say no or or deny our worldly passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. Now, what is it? What is it in grace that teaches us to live a life that glorifies God? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not rules. It's not law. It's not religion. It's not you trying to do the right thing so that you don't make God angry. Some of us think that, man, i got to do this right thing because if I get God mad at me, He's gonna squish me like a buck. What it is, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to that which is wrong or harmful. It it enables you to say no. It's, it's not your grit, it's God's grace. It's not your strength but it's God's Spirit. The grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. So many times we, we we focus on the wrong things. Why can't I change? It's because we're focusing on the poison of religion and we're, and we're forgetting the power of God's grace. Now, how does God actually change us by, by His grace? How does the grace of God change us? We're going to look at the contrast between religion and grace. And I want to show you how God uses the grace to change us and to conform us into the image of His Son. So let's start on focus. What's the difference between trying to live a religious life I'm trying to live a life full of grace. Let's look at focus. What's the focus of religion? The focus, the problem with religion is the focus is always outside, it's what other people see. It's an outward effort to be right with God. So, outwardly, I'm going to stop yelling at my kids, outwardly, I'm going to stop smoking. Hourly, I'm, I'm going to stop drinking, or I, I'm hourly, I'm I'm going to stop being a, a, addicted to something, or I, I'm going to stop uh, when I, I, I'm going to stop shopping till I drop. Whatever it is, it's on the outside. It's the external, what other people see. The focus of religion is always outward. This is what Matt, uh, Jesus talked about this danger in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. I told you before. Whenever Jesus was, was, seemed to be angry at somebody, it was the religious people of the day. It was those who, who used religion as, as a power. Okay? And Jesus says here, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You, you're a bunch of hypocrites. He was saying, All of you are trying to get all this outside looking good. You're a bunch of play actors. You're, doing, you're hypocrites. Everything's on the outside. And he says this, You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. He said he calls them blind Pharisees. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, then, the outside also will be clean. Sometimes we can't change because we have a spirit of religiosity. Look at me. Look how godly I am. I wear the right clothes. I go to church. Say the right things. It's all about outward, outward, outward. But grace works inside. In fact, that's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 316. The NIV, the NIV says it this way. Paul says, I pray that out of this glorious, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is saying, out of all the, the, the riches that God has, all his glorious riches that he has, my prayer is that you are strengthened on the inside, your innermost being. The New Living Translation puts this verse this way. I pray from God's God's glorious unlimited resources from every power in heaven. He said this is available to you all. He said all the spiritual blessings from all those unlimited resources that God will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Inner strength. Religion focuses on the outside, but God's grace always focuses on the inside. Paul is talking about not a change of outward behavior, but allow God to change you on the inside. Because who you are on the inside reflects on um, how you react to people, what you do on the outside. If you simply change your behavior but you don't change your heart, what happens? You revert back to your doing the old habits. That's why many people can't do ch- by, the, by the way, we're into the, what, this is what the... Uh, This is the 13th. We're on the second uh, Sunday here in in February. Um, You know, most people by now have given up on their New Year's resolutions. Most people. Mainly because it's an outside appearance. Now, those of you who are still doing your New Year's resolutions, you've Made a change, a positive change in your life, that's because something changed on the inside of you. There's a difference. The focus of religion is outward. That's what people see, that's what we show them. But the focus of grace son, is inward. That's the work of the Spirit of God in your life. How you pursue God with all your heart. So what's another, what's another difference between grace and religion and grace? Well, religion says, try harder. If it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's got to be, it's up to me. You need to do better. You need to stop. Religion says try harder, but grace says trust more. Religion says try harder, grace says trust more. In other words, I'm not trying it in my power, but I'm trusting in God's power. This is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. You know, we talk about, and I've, I've talked about this uh, in recently, that, that Paul had this thorn in the flesh, something in, in, that, that needed to change in his life, whether it was physical or emotional or, or whatever it was. It was a challenge for Paul in, in his life to, to live. And, and he asked God three times, said, God, You need to take this away from me. But God spoke to him. And God said, My grace, My grace is sufficient for you. God told him that that God's power, God said to him, My power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul kind of got it then. Because it said, when I'm weak, then it's God's grace that makes me strong. I'm strong because of God, not because of me. And here's where I hope it all comes together. Instead of trying more, trust more. Instead of trying harder, trust God more. When you truly trust God's grace, that He loves you and you're right with Him, not by what you do or what you don't do, but it's because of His unmerited favor and love that He gives you, you grow in that. When you trust that He always loves you and that His grace sustains you, it's it's from that point of spiritual uh, uh, security and spiritual strength that, that you can be honest you don't have to play at You don't have to be a hypocrite. When you know it's the same grace that saves you, the same grace that saves you is the same grace that sustains you, you can be honest. You can be honest with God and you can be honest with other people. And why did this matter? Because you're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. When you recognize that same grace that saves you, it's a grace that sustains you, then, it, then, it can be, then you can be honest enough to take what's been in the dark and bring it into the light. When you can honestly say, I need help. And you can bring that into the light. That's when change really starts to happen. Because whatever you keep in the dark doesn't get healed. Sin grows in the dark. As a matter of fact, sin is conceived in the darkness, it grows in the darkness. And when you recognize that the same grace that saves you is the grace that sustains you, you can be honest and you can get help. And what I want to pause here for a moment, because we're coming to a point now where we're coming to that, that moment of truth where you decide, I don't want to pretend anymore. I don't want to fake it till I make it. I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. I want to be different. And it can be risky to be vulnerable about any part of your life that you're not proud of. But here's the thing. Any good 12-step program will tell you that the first step in anything is you need to admit that you need help. You have a problem. And you can't do it on your own. How do you know if you have a problem? Well, let me just say this. If more than one person has told you that you have a problem, you probably have a problem. If there's a secret... That you've been carrying or a shame that you've been hiding, chances are you have a problem. Here, just let me say this. At this point, the same grace of God that has sustained you or has saved you, remember it's the same grace that will sustain you. And you will never be able to correct anything in your life that you don't confront. If you just couldn't push it to the back or to the side. What you have to do is you have to admit that I need help. You may say, I don't want to ask for help. Asking for help is, is a sign of weakness. No, asking for help is never a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of wisdom and trust that God's grace can sustain you. So why can't I stop? What, Whatever it is, whatever it is, stress eating or You know, scrolling for hours, wasting your time through social media, looking at stuff that makes you even more depressed. What is it? Is it looking at lustful images? Is it is it watching something that you shouldn't be watching? Allowing the media to speak into your heart and to your mind, whatever media movies, you know, even song lyrics that aren't good. Whatever it is, I can't tell you why you can't change. It's too complicated. But what I do know is that the root problem is probably spiritual. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Stop trying to change by yourself. And let the grace of God, that grace of God that saved you. If you think God's grace is powerful enough to save you, can't you trust it enough for it to sustain you? Many times we're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt on something other than God's grace. Many times we try to meet a need or relieve some hurt with something besides God's grace. And many times when when the problem doesn't go away, it only seems to become worse. And you hear a voice inside of you saying, "Do better, do better. You got to do better. You got to do better." And anytime you hear that, remember you're focusing on the outward. You need to focus on God's grace. We're not here to try harder. We're going to trust more. We're going to put our trust and our faith. Not in our grit, not in our stamina, not in our, 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 you know, get it done. But in God's grace. And if you're ready for some good news, the Apostle Paul says this, Romans chapter 5, verse 20. He says, but where sin increased, God's grace increased all the more. It doesn't mean that God turns away from it and says, oh, it doesn't matter. That's not what God's grace does. God's grace teaches you how to say no and how to live a Godly life. Where there's more sin, there's more grace. Where there's more temptation, there's more grace. Where there's more shame, there's more grace. Whatever, there's more loneliness or more brokenness or more heart or more more shame. There's more of God's grace. And the good news is God's grace is always enough. It's exactly what you need. When you're tempted, the Bible said God is always faithful and he will always provide for you a way out. There's always a way out. And grace is the way out. It's by grace. I don't think it's God's grace that we can lean on during those times when we're tempted. Yeah, how many? How many remember Pac-Man, the video game? See, a lot of you remember Pac-Man. Go around eating a little da 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 da. You know, and, and you know, there, there's, there's always those two side passages that kind of take you from one side to the other side of the board. Remember that? You go to, you go on one side and you pop up over here. So if the thing's t- chasing you over here, they, you know, there's that way out. and You come over here and all of a sudden you're in a different spot. Remember that? That's kind of like what God's grace is. You lean on God's grace. He can show you the way out. He can show you which, which way to go. How many of you remember asteroids? Yeah, left, left hand's here. That's when you're sitting in that little triangle of a, of a spaceship and you've got all these rocks floating around. It's a like two-dimensional game, you know. And you can spin and shoot the, the rocks, and the big rocks become smaller rocks, and then they disappear, you know. But they had a button on that called hyperspace. So you hit the button, all of a sudden, all these rocks are, are coming around you, all these asteroids are coming around, you and, and you can't shoot them fast enough. So you hit hyperspace, and all of a sudden, you disappear from here, and you end up over here. Okay? God will show you a way out through His grace. And there's something better than hyperspace. It's called hypergrace. Because God's grace will increase the more the temptation is there. And so you don't change by trying harder. You change by trusting more. You don't change by focusing on, on what the outside behavior is. But let the grace of God do something that only the grace of God can do in your heart. Because that same grace that saves you is the same grace that sustains you. God's grace doesn't just forgive you from sin. Here's the good news. God's grace frees you from sin. And God's grace is always available to all. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today that your grace would do what our strength can't do. Lord, that through your grace, you would teach us to say no to ungodliness. Teach us to live a holy and disciplined life. Grace by grace. Strengthen us From the inside to do your will. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody that is struggling here today, and they know you, they're saved by your grace. But Lord, they're struggling with trusting your grace to sustain them. They try so hard just to do the right thing or not do the wrong thing, Lord God, and they fail. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them and sustain them by your grace. Lord, let them know that they are loved by you more than they could ever even realize. And that when they need help, They can call on you, Lord God. Not to to change the behavior from the outside, Lord God, but to trust your grace to change them on the inside. Father, help them find the help that they need, Lord, and trust in you more. and as you continue to pray today, whether you're here or you're watching us online, if I were to ask you about how your relationship with God is, you you, you may say, man, I don't even have one. Or I'm not sure You might say, I try to be a good person, I try to help people, and I try not to do bad things. And that's, that's kind of a good thing. It's good to, not, to try to not do bad things, or to try to do good things. But the problem is, that's not what God's looking for. As a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us very clearly that every single one of us, we've all done wrong. And you know it. You feel the guilt of not living up to God's standards. That's the bad news, but here's the amazing good news. The good news is that grace of God is available to all. The grace of God that saves is available to everyone. That undeserved goodwill... That while we were still doing wrong, God sent his son, his perfect son, to die in our place. And God raised him from the dead. So that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, your sins would be forgiven and you'd be made right with God. Not because you're good, but because of God's grace. And if that's you this morning, you want to call on the grace of God and ask for forgiveness. You say, yeah, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know Him. All we're going to do today is we're going to confess that we've done wrong, that we're we're going to step away from that, and by God's grace, He's going to accept you. And by His grace, He's going to forgive you. And by His grace, He's going to reveal Himself to you. And you're not going to become a better version of yourself, but you're going to become different. Why? Because you're changed by God's grace. And if that's you this morning, whether you're here or you're watching us online, let me tell you, When you call on the name of Jesus, He hears your prayers, He forgives your sins, and by grace He makes you new. So if that's you this morning, would you just pray? Pray with those around you. Just pray out loud. Say, God, I need you. I need your grace. I need your grace to change me. I need your grace to help me to say no to ungodliness, to say no to sin, and yes to your righteousness. So I pray that you would forgive me and help me live by faith. Help me grow in your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who, because of your grace, was able to pray that prayer asking for forgiveness, acknowledging their need of you. Father, I pray that you would fill their life with grace. Fill their life, Lord God. With that desire to know you more each day, to read your word, fill them with a desire to get connected with believers, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. By God's grace, we have been forgiven. And by His grace, we continue. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for you before we leave. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that's been here this morning. Help us, Lord God, as we leave this place to understand that we walk not by our own power. Lord, we walk in your grace. And as we do this, Lord God, help us to find those good deeds that you've already set up for us to do. Not so that people see us doing them and give us praise, but Lord, they give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.